like it's babies a playwriting podcast every week we discuss plays we love the interview theater artists and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater we are your hosts sarah cho and sam collier and today we are going to talk about musicals um as you know sarah i taught a class this semester for the first time in my life about musical theater history and now i know a lot about it <laughs> so um yeah i thought we could do an episode where we talk about musicals and our thoughts on them and i could share some of the things i learned yeah and you could share some of your opinions <laughs> yeah i you know i feel like we did so we've had our show for like four years or going on to our fourth year and you know, we've had episodes, I think we talk about musical elements or like music, mm-hmm. but we never really talked about musicals. And I think it was because we're not like musical people. And yeah, like we, we know nothing musical. about it. We know nothing about it. We're like too scared to do it. But you have taught a class now. <laughs> and so I am I'm very excited for this. I've I said this multiple times, but yes, I'm very excited. But um yeah, musicals. Well, yes. And let me just preface this by saying um, I've never written a mu- musical. Um, I wouldn't know where to begin. But I did teach this class on musical theater history. So, history. Uh, yeah, just to note that this is about kind of the history of the form. And we looked at a different musical every week and talked about some of the um, kind of conventions and themes that crop up in this genre. But um, if anybody (laughs) opened up this episode and started listening, hoping that I could teach them how to write a musical, um, you should go back and listen to our interview with Ryan Oliveira talking about how to write a musical because that's a great episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this episode is on the history. This is a little different. (laughs) It's a little more nerdy. That's right. Um, yeah, so everyone pull up a chair, put on your nerdy glasses, and listen up. So, all right, well, I, maybe I'll just start by saying um, some of the things I told my students in the first week of the semester, which is that, first of all, musical theater is the only theatrical genre born in America. Really? Yeah, that's... That's really true. So it has all these antecedents. There are all these other forms that it kind of um, emerged out of, like opera and operetta. Um, Also, I don't know how many people know this, but one of the antecedents to musical theater in this country is the form of minstrelsy. And Mm. so um, definitely one of the more painful parents of this form but that was also a uniquely American form and um, musical theater you can trace a direct line um, from the combination of opera and uh, minstrelsy and also burlesque and vaudeville kind of all kind of combining together to make this theatrical theatrical genre that was born in America hmm I'm Um, I'm already learning so much. I know, right? Um, Another couple highlights that make musical theater unique. Um, It it took some time to be kind of defined as a genre, and it still sometimes defies categorization. So sometimes people will argue about whether a piece counts as a musical or not, because it um, can take so many different shapes. But what you always have, um, pretty much always, is that you have this combination. It's called the golden triangle. You have a combination of words, action, and music. Or you could call it dialogue, dance, and song. Um, but that, that you have these three elements that combine to make something greater than the sum of their parts. Hmm. <laughs> So uh, you're saying that musicals have music and yes, dance? Yes, and dance and dialogue or speech. And I'll just give you one more thing to ponder on, Sarah. 
Um, There's a phenomenon often seen in musicals called the bubble formula. And this is the idea that um, you're in a scene, people are talking, and then the emotion becomes so big that the only way to express it is for them to bubble up into song. And then when they're singing, the emotion becomes so big that the only way to express it is to bubble up into dance. So you have these kind of levels of expression that supersede each other. So you're starting with speech and then maybe they're just so in love that dialogue can't express their love anymore. So they start singing about how much they love each other. And then, but even that, the song can't contain their love. So then they start dancing and that's called the bubble formula. I didn't know that's what it was called. I thought it was just (laughs) breaking into a song. Yeah. Well, if you if you took my class, you would know that. Oh, bubble formula. The bubble formula. Yeah. So um, those are kind of a couple elements that we talked about in the first week that um, that kind of define the form. But it it is a really interesting form, and it's a really new form comparatively um, Mm -hmm. within the realm of different performance styles. But I'm kind of curious, Sarah. What do you think of when you think about musicals? Jazz hands. <laughs> okay, nice. Just straight up jazz hands. Yeah. So and the, so jazz hands were created by Bob Fosse, who's a choreographer who created all these different dance moves and became mm. quite well known for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think... In um, just like popular culture, right? I feel like we have now made fun of musicals. Of like, yes, the, like the people who listen to musicals, um, people who, uh, and all the musicals itself, like this breaking into song and dance out of nowhere, and just, I mean, obviously in the musical, it started by some emotion, like you said, like it's starting from a place of this profound idea like you know the characters having some an eureka moment or something or like they're Mm -hmm. happening and so they break into song and dance and um and so you got that and then but like for me i think of musicals uh and when i watch it i mean like if the music if the music and the, the lyrics are just like so catchy and they're fun i'm like i don't care about time like I'm just like in it and I'm like enjoying it, enjoying myself. But then where it starts getting where I feel frustrated about musicals is when I'm like, wow, we learned nothing and we're it's hour two and <laughs> and no action has happened and I don't know where yeah. this is gonna end. I felt this way with um into the woods, like into the woods, like yeah. I was just like, we're just like bringing in a song, but um, but there's a lot of you know, there's some good musicals where I felt like I don't mind being in this in this world. Be if it's four hours long, I'm in it. I'm in it. If yeah, so it sounds like if if you're really invested in the story, and if something happens in each mm-hmm. song that's kind of moving the story forward, if it's plot driven, then you're invested. I Is think that so. It? Yeah, invested, yeah. and also if the song is just good, like if it's, it's catchy and yeah. fun, and I I could sing along to it, and I'm like, yeah. I'm but you it. didn't feel that way about Into the Woods. No, <laughs> <laughs> I did not feel that way about Into the Woods, and I and I feel like I've seen a fair share of musicals at this point in my life. Sure, yeah, I mean, and again, I'm not an expert, but um, I do know that yeah, one of the things about Stephen Sondheim is that he was really trying to. Um, deconstruct the musical and the idea of the musical. And so Into the Woods, I think, is a good example of what he's like, well, you know, what could a musical story look like? You know, maybe, maybe it doesn't look like our traditional plot structure. Um, hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think I agree with you. I I want a clear story arc out of a musical unless the songs are really catchy that sounds like what you, yeah. that's what you're saying yeah <laughs> yeah 
And I'm just thinking about um, one of our recent interviews, I think it was Scott Bradley, mm. when he talks mm-hmm. about music and sort of like what happens in these moments where a character sort of like something about um, like the emotion and everything. And we were like seeing some like this sort of inner life of them that we, that you can't see, like you can't um, experience on like just a regular play, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the musicals bring something unique in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think the idea too that um the song that that it, the characters enter the song in one place and end the song in a different place and that they've mm-hmm. taken us on some kind of journey. Yeah. They can't co- just like a scene, just like when you're writing a play, things can't be the same at the end of the scene as they were at the beginning of the scene. Um you have to travel some ground I think that's mm-hmm. that's a good rule of thumb for songs too yeah um well do you have any musicals you really like um let's see I I mean now it feels like cliche or something but I did really love Hamilton yeah <laughs> a lot of people did <laughs> and uh I uh it was just fun. Like the music is really catchy and it was fun. And it was like taking on a history, like an American history that you don't really think about, or these characters like Alexander Hamilton, nobody really thinks about him. Um, And then just blowing it up and sort of like genre bending, like, you know, bringing hip hop into musicals and um, into this like period piece. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was just fun and unique, and I didn't see, haven't seen anything like that up to that point. Yeah, I went back and watched when I was getting ready for my lecture on Hamilton. I went back and watched um, the video of Lin Manuel Miranda singing the I think the first song he wrote, which is the first song in the play, um, at the Obama White House. Yes, uh-huh. and it's like, and he's like explaining his idea and that's when it was still called Hamilton mixtape before it was ever a musical it was just kind of a concept and he's he kind of explains his idea and everyone's kind of laughing and then he starts performing it and they're all just like what is this like they're laughing you know and and it's surprising you know and my students were because I showed them a clip of it and they were really um they were kind of surprised at how much people were laughing, but it, it's kind yeah. of a delighted laughter. It's like, right. Oh, I've never heard anything like this before. And it's, it's, it's unusual and it's unique. And, and the laughter is just kind of expressing, Oh, I wasn't expecting like someone to rap about Alexander Hamilton. Right. You know, it's yeah. Because people associate American history to be boring. Right. <laughs> like your right. American, like U.S. government class, your U.S. history class in high school. Like it was boring. And so right. um, to and, – and also just his lyrics, like Lin-Manuel, um, his lyrics are just so they're, – they're funny. They're like yeah. really funny and catchy. Uh, and he's just able to um, bring a lot of humor into, um, yeah, all his songs. So – that's uh yeah that's really funny that you put and then remember that going viral like what is this yeah, yeah everyone was just like what is this and not realizing that it was a part well i guess in the early stages of what was going to be a musical right and and not realizing how popular it was going to be i mean it just completely yeah. took the world by storm oh my gosh well yeah. and i think too it, he kind of found the perfect audience in that performance because you know it was like early Obama administration, everyone had stars in their eyes. And the idea that it was about like an immigrant who became a founding father was, you know, Mm -hmm. just very um, appealing to the Obamas. Yeah. Also, what was cool about the musical was like the casting, you know, it was a revisioning of a history, like from told like with people of color on stage. And I thought that was like, so, so cool. (laughs) Um, and, and, and it just brought that 
point of view, the story yeah, about an immigrant um, story, like just, I don't know, like it felt empowering to see that like, yeah, this is uh, not from the lens of, you know, typical, like the white man, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the victor, but sort of like seeing the story from like a whole new lens that way. Well, yeah, and it was, it was, it was really um, visionary, I think, to cast it in the way that he did. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see so many other artists kind of borrowing that approach. But I think he was the first one to, to do that. I mean, but I'm thinking about like um, the Jacqueline Backhouse play Men on Boats which is about all these white men traveling down the Colorado River, but she has written the play to be performed by um, women and non-binary people. Mm. Um, And I feel like there have been a lot of other plays that have kind of taken that approach since Hamilton, where they're like, I'm going to tell this story about these people, but I'm going to cast it with actors who are not of the same identities as the characters. Mm. Which I think is really cool. But yeah, but yeah I mean, but then there, of, of course, is a lot of criticism about Hamilton, that it's celebrating these people who were, in many cases, you know, owned slaves and... Mm-hmm were very misogynistic and racist people. <laughs> yes. So then there's a way in which like, okay, does it, if you cast people of color in those roles and kind of tell this whole story about them, are you either erasing those mm. aspects of history or are you celebrating yeah. people who shouldn't be celebrated you know what i mean right, so it, right. yeah so it's like i feel like just in the past couple of years too there's been more I, i've seen more criticism of hamilton yeah which is so interesting that it happens not in the moment but yeah. Like yeah after when it's like time passes a little bit and we're like reflecting a little bit on it um yeah that it, I, yeah, I don't know about that because it's like, um, because in the moment, you know, a lot of people are like, "This is visionary. This is like, yeah, never seen anything like more people." I think Hamilton, like, I think made more money than like Titanic. Like, it made it was like a, such a big success for the theater world to, to like yeah. invite to to open up and bring people back to to see theater that proving that oh theater could be just as exciting as freaking avatar Um, (laughs) yeah it won the pulitzer prize i mean yeah and it yeah and it won 11 tonys i mean it was extremely successful Mm -hmm. oh this is something i don't know if you talked about this in your class um but i just remembered an interview with Lin-Manuel saying you know when he they were getting ready to record just for like the soundtrack you know Mm -hmm. where it the soundtrack is the thing that everyone have access to like anybody could maybe you can't see the show live in New York but you could download it right like on iTunes or something or like hear it and he said that like that was where he was trying to make it perfect. Like he was like so critical mm. about like the words and like the sound and everything just has to be perfect in the recording. Cause it's like, this is the thing that will live on even the sh- when the show ends or something. Mm. So, wow. I don't know. So that just made me think about like musicals have this power, like it's a powerful thing where it's cause it's auditory and it's, and it's, um, you could, yeah, rec- have it's tangible in a way. Yeah. Well, and it's so true that it's because it's so much more accessible. I've had so many students throughout the years. Like I'm thinking about when I was teaching high school in Michigan, I was teaching high school students who like, they've never been to New York to see a Broadway show, but they knew all the words mm-hmm. to Hamilton, you know, right. they, it became this 
phenomenon where <laughs> all these teenagers knew all the words to this musical. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, it's not a live theater, but in my um, adult's life, in my, in my what, 30 something years of my life on this earth, one big, like another big phenomenon in terms of musicals was High School Musical. Oh, <laughs> show, yes. Which is so Disney. True. But it's a, it's a movie. It's a TV movie. But that was like, that's musicals. And then I just remember um, everyone in my high school were about graduating. And then when that movie or came out and we were, I did not know a single person that did not know the lyrics. Yeah, that was musical. a big deal. Everyone was like singing and dancing. And it like made all the, like the theater kids look cool. <laughs> like they're like, we're cool. <laughs> We've been doing this before high school musical. <laughs> just like, and, um, but I, 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 that's like the most, um, in terms of a musical like, that has as big as a phenomenon as Hamilton. Yeah. No, that's so true. Well, and one of the things I found really interesting about teaching this class is that there were a lot of people who took it and who love musicals who are not theater majors, you know, and they don't necessarily see themselves as theater people, you know, um, but they love musicals. And there's a way in which musical theater is more, it just, it has a broader audience and a broader population of people who love it than just straight theater you know Mm. and I think maybe high school musical and Hamilton both tapped into that that they're able to become so popular because you don't have to be a theater kid to know about them or to enjoy them Whereas I do kind of think Into the Woods is like a classic like theater kid uh, musical. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm just thinking about musical like involving there's this element of like dance, right? So you're mm-hmm. you have dancers you're involving dancers and then musicians like different forms of of art like kind of bringing together in this one form um yeah and i'm also thinking about how um uh my brain just slipped <laughs> whatever <laughs> thanks covid well, well one show i've been thinking about a lot lately is hades town which is mm-hmm. um it's on broadway right now it's by Aeneas mitchell and she is a singer-songwriter, and that piece really came out of um, her work as a singer-songwriter, um, like in the 2000s, mid to late 2000s, mm. which my friend from England calls them the naughties, which I'm going to start doing. <laughs> <laughs> the naughties, I think, is a great term for that decade. But... Um, yeah, Hades Town started as like a concept. Well, it, it actually started as like a few songs that she would perform, and then it became like a kind of DIY touring theater piece, mm. which I think I saw in like 2008, maybe in Vermont, 2007, 2008. And then, and then she was kind of kept kind of redesigning it as a theater piece, but wasn't getting a lot of traction and so turned it into a concept album and then but kept kind of kept working on it kept gathering momentum um and ultimately it became what it is today which is a a piece more of like musical theater although they call it uh they call it like a folk rock opera um but it is almost entirely sung through, which means there's no like spoken dialogue. Um, It's all music and sung. And I just think that's such a beautiful show. That's Mm -hmm. one I would really love to see. But it's about, um, it's an adaptation of the Orpheus and Eurydice myth. And so she's kind of looking at um, the underworld as a metaphor for like this factory town and it deals with climate change themes and um, industry, Mm. environmental destruction. 
but it's so beautiful and it it's it's really cool to see a piece like that after you know kind of come together over so many years it was so many years in the making Mm. and it kind of goes back to what you're saying about how many different artists are involved it's just such a a musical is such an ambitious piece because it involves so many different kinds of art and so many different collaborators yeah and it makes money and it makes money Yes. Musicals, the good ones, and sometimes the not so good ones, make a lot of money. Yeah. There's one that uh, Nick and I are kind of waiting for. I don't know if I'll ever hit the U.S. because it had a run in London, but um, it's Back to the Future musical. (laughs) (laughs) That's been like, I I listened to some music. It's like, it's so, I I saw some of it. I'm like, oh, it looks kind of bad, but the music is pretty good. And um, it's, that's such a good example of, you know, when like movie adaptation, like movies Mm -hmm. adapted into musicals, where especially for such a cult classic, like Back to the Future, where you're like that character, but played by that actor so specific like only they can do it and mm-hmm. then tra- trying to translate it adapt it onto stage is like you can't let go of so part of you can't let go of the movie that version that cult classic version but then the musical you know if the music is catching you're like you start to be very forgiving and you're like okay i could get into this i could get into this because they captured what's so interesting about the world like and they're yeah. trying to bring that experience into live theater um yeah totally but yeah there's uh, there's a move and then um this isn't about i don't think it's i don't know what to say but i don't know what to say but um so i watched the movie tick tick boom mm-hmm. which is more biographical like i don't know if there was a musical called tick tick boom was it yeah there was what? yeah it just the, it was never it never really took off took off okay because the movie i want to say it's about like it's not the musical tick tick boom but it's about the writer you know mm-hmm. who wrote all these his music and stuff it felt more biographical but the song yeah so jonathan larson that was like um he well he actually did write an earlier piece but tick tick boom was his first yeah. piece that musical. he like really invested a lot of time in yeah musical mm-hmm. um and he just worked on it for years and years and never really got never really found success with it but he yeah that was like his first piece and it was very autobiographical yeah yeah <sighs> that okay did you and you watched the movie right? i have not did watched you? the movie, I no. movie. well i'll say this when i watched the movie i felt his pain when you're like uh you're working really hard on this play and mm. you, it's like developed it gets a reading and then you're like, what's next, right? And then they're like, mm-hmm. well, write the next one and join the yeah. development of hell. <laughs> like, it was like it was just, I felt that pain when I, as soon as I watched, I was like, oh my gosh, like I just felt it so hard. Of like, oh man, yeah, life in the theater is not easy. Um, and like, and yeah, Larson was like really talented. Like he his he is a genius. And then like he just his like. Um, ambition and like and I was like if he and he I mean like he had a big hit but it was like he didn't really enjoy that music like rent until I you know until he died right Right. (laughs) so yeah um, well yeah he I mean in a famously tragic story he died on opening night yes right but but yeah I mean thank god he did move on to the next one because he wrote rent right I don't know. Right. Should we talk yeah, about Rent? Do we like Rent? I yes and no. <laughs> like I, I yeah. feel like I feel like I liked it when it first came out, but I also I don't know. I feel like I was also really young, too young to understand because <laughs> I watched the movie version of it. I didn't want. I never watched the live version. Mm-hmm. I only watched the, the movie. Um, but that was another example. Of, like I really liked the songs. Very catchy. Yeah. Um, parodied a lot. His songs have been parodied. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it's very of its time, right? Right. Yeah. I yeah, I never really liked 
I never really thought much of Rent. And then, I don't know. But somehow, like, having taught it a, a couple, or, like, kind of talked to my students about it and seeing how much people love it, how much young mm-hmm. people particularly love it, then I'm like, okay, I guess yeah. I can I can see the value in it. Yeah. I think it's just something about, like, oh, being broke. <laughs> like, it's very, like, kind of coming of age sort of feeling um yeah i read well and it's that. so earnest right it's yeah just like, earnest mm-hmm. it's, it really has that kind of 90s like grunge <laughs> <laughs> the 90s um, um i read somewhere that jonathan's father i think would um come up to like appear during opening nights or something like across the country or I don't know if it's across the country or when it maybe was on tour or something but like go backstage talk to the actors or like be in the audience and be like my son would pride of this you know like kind of wow. trying to speak on behalf of his son um I don't know where I read that I read that somewhere but I thought that was so moving I was like made me cry that his father was like trying to like as you know be representative of him in some way that's kind of intense yeah um yeah so rent another musical i love is fun home i just think that's such a great oh, i have musical. not seen that oh so good so it's yeah it's an adaptation of the graphic novel by allison bechdel about right which is well i should say graphic memoir because it's really about her growing up and um coming out as a lesbian and like realizing her father was gay but she grew up in a funeral home, <laughs> so it's like, oh, um, it has you know, it has that whole component of it, like what it, mm. what her childhood was like growing up in a funeral home, um, and then, yeah, and then Lisa Crone turned it into a musical, mm. and it's really good. Um, in your class, do you ever talk about Disney's? movies yeah so i mean we talked about we talked about um the lion king i would say that was the big one there you know there's a whole phenomenon of and still is of disney movies being turned into musicals and really it was like the lion king that just blew everything out of the water it was just became so extremely popular yeah i think about in terms of like history of disney right Mm -hmm like the first like i think snow white is the first one and that has musical elements like in it where mm-hmm. i feel like that is a good example you know musical theater still it's popping it's it's the <laughs> main source of entertainment around this time and like something like animation is kind of something brand new but it's like they want to try to bring people into the audience like oh this is something you could still recognize. It's very cool new thing that's happening called animation mm-hmm. um, with colors and like, whoa, Technicolor, whatever. Um, so I think there's something about that entertainment around this time is still, it's all kind of, um, I don't want to say the word incestuous, but like, you know, like it's like musical theater is alive and well and then film is starting to like incorporate the elements. Yeah. No, totally. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, so, and it was really Beauty and the Beast, um, mm-hmm. which was extremely successful and popular, that created this idea of Broadway um, having these, like, franchise Disney musicals. Wow. Um, that would That were specifically aimed at kids, like, that, they, you know, you would advertise mm-hmm. it to young people and then they would come with their families. Um, yeah. Beauty oh, and the Beast yeah, was extremely successful. The and then The Lion King right, um, is the third longest running show on Broadway. Yeah, Lion King. Which I've seen. I saw The Lion King when I think I was like maybe, I don't know, 13 or 14. A friend of mine... Um, got tickets for her birthday and we went with our moms and like it was really I mean it was it was such an immersive um mind-blowing experience as a young person to see that musical 
because it because do you know about the lion king broadway show it has these giant puppets right puppets yeah 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 i haven't seen it i'm sure there's a recording of it but i remember thinking like it was i don't know anything that's like so unique like that yeah yeah it was really incredible yeah musicals um do you think you would ever write a musical no, but <laughs> See, what's your question? <laughs> no, but I had a question. Well, in terms about writing, though, is that do you think um, you could like write the book and everything without music, or do you think music needs to go hand in hand when you're writing the musical? Do you mean like write the book and then somebody else comes along and adds music? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Because I think about lyrics and like. Like you, if you're writing lyrics, your thinking probably has like a rhythm or yeah. something in mind, and so like, I don't know if you need music with it or not. But I just yeah. kind of wondered if, as a playwright, can you just write the book and the lyrics and then do ma- music later on, or is it something you have to, you know, do, you know, partner up with a musician or, or a composer and collaborate? Yeah, I mean, no, I think that's a great question, and and what I learned from studying all these musicals is that people really have done it every different way you can imagine. Um, Mm. So like there have been some where somebody writes the book and they're working with one lyricist and composer, and then that team falls through. So they take the book to somebody else um, and, and have a new, a new team write new lyrics and music. But I think generally what seems to work best is when people are really collaborating closely through the whole thing. Um, Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I think I, because if you want it to be fully integrated and feel like it's all of a piece. Yeah. Right. Then I think you want to be kind of passing it back and forth the project as you go or like, you know, one person writes the lyrics and, and passes you know and they kind of get some music and then they write the next but it but it really is like people do it all different kinds of ways yeah um so yeah a lot of there are some teams where it's like the composer writes the music and then someone writes the lyrics to go to the music Hmm. i have another question okay so as someone who taught the history of musicals for your <laughs> class, do you have a like a prediction of where you think musicals are heading? Oh, that's such a good question, Sarah. Well, we talked about <laughs> this in the last class. I actually, yeah, I was like, I asked my students what they thought. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I I had a a number of students who. Um, we're really interested in the way that musicals can kind of um, talk to people across lots of different backgrounds and beliefs and ideologies. And a lot of them were saying that they would love to see more stories that don't feel super politicized. Um, But that... Mm -hmm they don't necessarily see it going in that direction, which I thought was really interesting. Hmm. Um, Like they want more cats? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like they want things that, that aren't about like hot button issues, you know? Hmm. Um, I'm like trying to think of musicals. I'm like, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I just feel like every musical is the most like least hot button Well, right. And it's true that if you take something like Oklahoma, which may seem Uh to be like super apolitical and you really look at it and you're like, well, wait a minute, where are all the (laughs) Indians who were here, you know, um, in like just a few decades before this is set? Um, It is. There's a way in which like that work is also political. I see. Right. But it's but you're not seeing it if you're yeah. you know, um I see. a white person from a certain so it's not background. it's not the musical being 
being political, but like a musical that doesn't create like a political reaction to it. I don't know, but I think I, I'm, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I think the other thing that came up in our conversation was um, a lot of my students were really excited to see works that are becoming more inclusive and telling more stories about more identities, mm-hmm. you know, like Fun Home and um, yeah. Hamilton. And I mean, Hamilton is interesting, right? Because it's like, it has this cast where everyone's of color, but it's telling a very kind of right. conventional story about the founding fathers. But like Rent, a lot of them found Rent very exciting because even though it's somewhat dated, it incorporates way more identities than, mm. um, you know, some of the ones we looked at earlier in the semester. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I think where I, where I see it going is people continuing to experiment with the form, you know, like mm-hmm. looking at how you can tell different kinds of stories, um, with music and dance or different structural approaches. Um, Yeah, I find that really exciting. I don't know if that answers your question. Where do you think it's going, Sarah? I think it never really went anywhere and it's just going to stay where it is (laughs) until the next Hamilton arrives. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, I, I never really felt like musicals ever really changed it's one of those i feel like it's one of those forms of entertainment that doesn't really want to change i mean like it wants to experiment here's what you should do you should watch go back and watch oklahoma okay and then watch west side story no thank you then watch (laughs) passing strange and then Uh tell me whether you think the form has changed is this the movies or do you mean like the live shows I mean, either life one. version. Either I one. I think either one will, because the, the truth is, it has changed so much. I mean, you mm. used to have, like, you used to have musicals in the early 20th century that were very much like opera, and everything was heightened. You know, the characters mm. were kind of speaking and singing in this very heightened way, um, and it was all about falling in love in a heterosexual yeah. relationship where everyone was white. Um, and, 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 and you see the influence of melodrama too. So you see in early musicals, the idea that like good things happen to good people, everything works out well in the end, the villains get punished. Um, definitely like the influence of Christianity and good and evil. And then as you get into the middle of the 20th century, people are starting to explore other kinds of stories and um, other kinds of relationships and other ways of looking at the world. Even though there is like a real nostalgia for Mm -hmm. the past that you see in the 1950s. Um, But there, but there's just kind of this gradual from like the 1950s to the, 1990s there's a gradual increase of telling more inclusive stories um having a more Mm -hmm. kind of critical lens on america um and then yeah and then like in the 2000s well really i mean starting with sondheim but everything kind of explodes people are like oh what if i deconstruct the plot what if i tell what if i write a musical where there's no plot you know or it's just character based, um, or I'm using mm. rap to tell the story, you know. So I would push back yeah. on you, Sarah, and I would say things have changed a lot. I'd say okay. <laughs> I want to say that like the thing is though, like the the ingredients of what makes a musical has not changed. That's like, true. You still have that hasn't changed. People are playing around with like, like whether it's content or the storytelling and stuff like that, but yeah. like you know, 
every five minutes is us breaking into song and singing and dancing (laughs) i mean like oh gosh and that hasn't changed yeah um Mm -hmm. but yeah i am yeah i don't know it's like a a, musicals for me is like such a love-hate thing like i i get like either really obsessed with it and i'm like singing and listening to the soundtrack (laughs) for weeks and months or i listen to and like you know i sat through a really bad one and i'm just angry that i sat through it yeah um but you could say that about plays too right but plays it's like it's like almost forgivable because i could just forget it like i will never forget (laughs) into the woods like i will never forget because they attach song and dance and it's all my sensories and i'm like i will never forget that i sat through into the woods yeah yeah but that's that's just me anyways fair that's a fair point (laughs) um anyways listeners if you're out there and you're huge musical head and you want to school us go for it go ahead please do all right um all right well thanks for teaching us something sam um let's move <laughs> on to glistens uh all right well i'll go first i went okay. to see this really unique immersive art experience on Thursday in Denver called Meow Wolf Convergence Station. I saw some Um, photos and that looked really cool. Yeah, so there's three Meow Wolf, um, I guess you would call it an installation or a show. There's one in Mm -hmm. Santa Fe, which I think is the original. And there's one in Las Vegas and there's one in Denver. Um, And it's, it's kind of builds itself as this kind of immersive psychedelic art experience. Um, Each one has a different theme. So this one is called Convergence Station and it's all these rooms and you just kind of wander around. It's kind of self-guided adventure. Um, Very colorful, Um, but it's, it's, what's cool about it is you're kind of going through these rooms and finding things and, and it's, you can tell it's like a converted museum space. And so sometimes there are doors that just say electrical or mechanical and those doors are locked, but sometimes there are doors that you open and you're in a whole other room. So you may be in like a room where everything's blue and there's weird masks on the walls. And then you open a door and go through this doorway into a room where every, there's like black and white stripes and a strobe light flashing and like, um, I don't know, a screen playing a weird video. And and the whole experience is just like that. And you're just kind of going into room after room, um, discovering things. Yeah. Will it be there next year when I come visit you? uh, (laughs) I think it's going to be there for a long time. Yeah. So come visit me and we'll go. Yeah. It's really neat. And I'd also love to go to um, the other ones because I think they're all different. Cool. So... Yeah, I definitely wore a mask because COVID cases are spiking in Denver. Um, yep. But yeah, it was it was a really cool experience and unlike any other art experience I've had. Nice. What about you, Sarah? Well, speaking of COVID, um, I got it. Oh no, it tested negative, but like my body had it and my husband had it. We were living with it. It was so funny. Yeah. Like we're like. <gasps> Two and a half years, we're like, we're so careful. We're just like, not going to get it. And you have been it. so careful. And we got it. It was inevitable. Um, I do not wish COVID, even my all my worst enemies, like, don't want COVID. <laughs> like, no yeah. one should have it. Um, and it's just so unpredictable. But when I wasn't feeling well, and I was kind of just like fatigued all the time, but I wanted to, my, you know, I was just lie down and I was reading a lot and I would, I read a bunch of like Sarah Rule. I don't know why I just, just wanted to read her mm. stuff, but I think she's she such a good be writer. Such a good writer. I, like, there's just something about she, she makes writing like when I'm reading, it feels easy and light, and I think that's what my like my mind and my body wanted. Um, was just something really light and, mm-hmm. um. I read uh, Sarah, uh, was it Letters from Max? And it's, it's kind of like letters to a young poet that, where she was writing 
um, these letters to one of her former students who was a poet, Max, and who was going through chemotherapy uh, and cancer. Yeah. Um, and I read that and I was just like, first of all, I didn't think I would like poetry until I read that book. I was like, <laughs> I, I always like never really, I was like, okay, poetry, poems, got it. Sam does it. <laughs> who cares? But then as soon as I read, I was like, wow, there's just something like beautiful about poetry that I just kind of fell in love with. And I also just like, like I was starting to crush on Sarah Rule. I was just crushing mm. on her because it's Maybe one she thing should to write read. a book about musicals and like, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? um, like it's one thing to read her plays, but then like when I was reading the books she has written, just about you know from her perspective and her life, like I started to really appreciate her as like a human being, <laughs> like mm-hmm. and this is this mind who wrote these plays. Like there's just something about that I was like, wow, I, I'm just like, I'm in love with Sarah Roll, and I'm just like, I wish I was Sarah Roll. I'm like love with her. Have I you read? Have you read 100 essays? I don't have time to write. Yes, I read. I read that like two. I feel like maybe it was early on wow, the pandemic, okay, two years yeah. ago. I think it was yeah, two years ago, that. like early on, and I really loved that, and um, so I really liked. I just want. I guess I wanted to read her other stuff, and I read yeah. Smile. Oh, like yeah. that one too. Um, I just binged it because again, her writing is just so like, it's just so easy and bingeable, but like also complex and fun and funny and humorous. And so it was really, and it got you it was through like, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. She got me through COVID. Sarah rule got me through COVID. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there listening to this, Sarah, thank you. Um. <laughs> yeah. So I love Sarah Rule. So that's all I wanted to say. That's my question. There's a lot of playwrights named Sarah. I'm trying to think of other Sarahs, but I can't think of any other Sarahs right now because of my long COVID. I don't know. I, I feel like there's more. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Tell us what you think about musicals and where you see them going in the future and how you feel about Hamilton. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beckett's Babies. If you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. And if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater or maybe be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckettsbabies.com. That's www.beckettsbabies.com, and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening.